This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter at The Ask Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Ask Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button. Welcome to this, our highly professionalized Ask Brothers Rantcast, Ask Bros OG, with all new intro video. Toby, what do you think of the intro video? I didn't do it because, as you know, I'm not good at anything. Uh, I was wondering. I was wondering how you managed that, but no, no, coming, no, no, no. Co- coming up in the world, mate. No, no, no. It's uh, it's Sky. I'm having Jack Grealish hair again. I've been on the golf course. It's all, it's all over the place, mate. It's all happening. You wish you wish you looked like Jack Grealish champion, mate. I could, I could, I could do some Jack Grealish. I'm all in black. I'm in my golf gear. I played golf today. I played quite well. Then I came home and I watched golf. So I had golf and then golf. And Toby, I was talking to you the other day. I'm a fat wanker right now, so I'm intermittent fasting. I'm not eating from 8 p.m. until 11 a.m. and I'm off the beers. Yeah, Toby. I got you. I got you onto that. Yep. Yeah, yeah, but I'm off the beers, Toby. No, good work. I lasted three days off the beers, and then we were, we were locked down again. And I was like, "Fuck that! I'm going back to being an alcoholic," and I haven't stopped since then. So maybe, maybe after today. But Toby. I'm on the gin. I'm off the beers. I'm on the gin. No one ever said anything about fucking that you've got to quit alcohol if you want to be skinny, right? But beers, drinking like fucking 14 beers a day has turned me into like a disgusting fat piece of shit with tits. I've never had tits before, Toby. I've got tits right now. I've got these little... I thought they were muscles, right? Like I thought I was getting bigger and I was running across the street and I could feel some jiggle and I went home and investigated in front of the mirror and went for some like flex and mate, there was no flex where I thought maybe there was chest. There was only tit. So now I'm, bro, I'm off. I'm off. I'm and, off the and, and, and some And some chafed nipples as you mm. ran. Crossing the road. With, dude, to go with my fucking chef's butt because I got my first bout of terrible chef's butt at the bar the week before we got locked down. To anyone who's not listening, chef's butt is when essentially because you work in a bar or in a kitchen and it's a hot, sweaty environment, like you fucking ass cheeks rub together, but not your ass cheeks. Kind of like the bit that makes that pseudo-vagina. The bit between your balls and your asshole, your kazif, your the chad. In your comments, what do you call it? Do you call it a gooch? Do you call it a chad? Do you call it a kazik? But anyway, when you're standing up for ages, that kind of forms like a small camel toe, right? And then it 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 rubs. It sweats, so and then the the ball hair rubs. Yep, as well. And you get and you get chef's ass, which makes you John Wayne. So John Waning is when you're walking like a western to yep. stop your like your butt pussy from rubbing together. Toby. Yeah. I used to get it where the butt cheeks joined together as well. So not only would it was in Anush territory, but the line down your ass crack where your pants pushed your butt cheeks together. Mate, look, chef's butt, fucking ass chaff. What what do we got in here? Uh, Ryan said swamp ass. Swamp ass? Maybe, maybe that's the thing. I didn't I didn't know about it. Um Butt pussy is another one that's in there. Perennium from Humbo Gumble. Humbo, that's a very, uh, that's a very uh, scientific medical term from you. I mean, we were really looking for for less scientific terms, but you know, coming from you, I'm I'm impressed, Humbo. Thank you. Uh, who else we got in the room at the moment? We got Mike Hertz. Hello, Mike. We've got Humbo. We got Aspros Ryan who's popped in. I haven't seen Ryan for fucking ages. We've got Ruthless Gooner who's sent in a comment saying. I'm a fat piece of shit right now, and I injured my knee at football trials on Sunday. MRI, MRI scan tomorrow. Could be a fat effer for a while now. You're going to be a fat effer supporting a shit rugby league team, Den. But you be fat, mate. You be fat. Anyway, Russell Brill's in the room. Hello, Russell. Haven't seen you for a while. Toby, eventually, five minutes into the podcast, spoken about sweaty ass. We've spoken about being a fat COVID lockdown piece of shit. Uh, ask Chaff, but what actually happened was there was football, Toby, and we watched the football. 
We actually physically watched it, all 90 minutes for some of us. Um, and I think some of the, I don't want to say vitriol, because I don't think there was really vitriol on, on, on Twitter. I often talk about like staying off social media, but there was a lot of like real disappointment in the game, in the performances, in the selections, Toby. I just kind of wanted to get, you know, in, in, we'll run through players, we'll run through what we thought some of the performances were. But I just kind of wanted to get from you kind of what your overarching feeling was of the game and of the result. I'm going to say I was relatively pleased with the performance because, you know, what we have at the moment is um, it's almost like a training year where we don't really have to worry about where we finish. We just worry about our performance and what's happening ahead of us. So, Look, whether City took their foot off the gas a little bit because they won the game in the first fucking minute um, or whether we played pretty well, I'm leaning towards the latter in that. Um, whether that's reality or not, we can discuss throughout the pod. Um, but I was pretty happy with the performance, you know. Missing um, missing party in particular, I think, was a pretty big deal in that overall display, um, interspersed with a bit of um, resting, I think, because we've got... Um, the Europa League, uh, with one eye on that as well. Um, so I didn't think it was a um, an awful performance by any stretch, and I thought we held our own um, where other teams have fallen against City before us. What were your thoughts? Uh, I was I was quietly impressed, having lost that goal after seventy five seconds. I was quietly impressed that we coming up against the Man City that are so fluid that have been scoring goals for fun with lots and lots of number 10s. Uh, with, I guess you could argue, a second string defence still uh, with Tierney coming back as well and El Sidewaysy in there. Um, I think overall I was fairly impressed at the fact that we lost it 1-0. I mean, we'll get to the bits later on that I was quite disappointed about uh, substitution, substitution selections. Mm. You know, we've spoken about this this part of Arteta that I'm not, I'm still not convinced by him. I quite like him tactically. I quite like him structurally, but I don't think he does enough in games to to win it. Um, other than that, I, I kind of left the game and I thought I predicted 4-1 to City. After 75 seconds, I thought that that was a fairly solvent prediction as it looked like they were they were literally you know they they were painting with watercolors toby and we were like finger painting with our own shit at the start of that game like <laughs> like my yeah. son did the other day did he paint with his shit that's a good they say that's yeah. a sign of brilliance toby no i left him i left him in the pen and i took a gamble and i saw he's an emotional poor so i saw the look of concentration on his face. And I was just trying to finish an email and do what I was doing. And he fucked me. There was shit all over the pen, all over the floor, all over himself. Then he was playing with Depoo. And then I had to like get him in the bath, not have him drown because he's a baby. And then like clean up the shit at the same time. So Very once again, we've baby. stopped talk talking about football, but watercolors and shit painting. I guess what I'm trying to get at Toby is it was pretty apparent I was, well, I guess I'll ask this question. It's a question a few people have been asking me and it's popped up in the in the comments in a couple of places and on Twitter. Do you think that City coasted that or do you think we stopped them from scoring more goals? I'd like to think the latter. I, I read a report today saying that maybe that City had coasted a little bit, but, um, you know, maybe um, Gundogan wasn't quite as effective today. I thought De Bruyne certainly wasn't as um, clinical as normal, even if he was good in the first coming back of, from um, coming back stanza. from a fairly major injury. De Bruyne, totally, so you'll, totally. You'll so, um, that. but I, I thought we stood up fairly well. I thought we had um, some fairly good performances in parts of the pitch. Uh, defensively, we weren't horrible. Um, yeah, so. Yeah, I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I thought maybe City were wasteful and they probably knew that they'd won it, so they weren't so clinical. But I certainly didn't think it was a bad performance from I us. I could make an argument, Toby, that we were fairly wasteful, that Kieran Tierney, despite all of his endeavour and his never hiding from the ball and popping up in great areas, that Kieran Tierney was really, really wasteful. Um, 
with possession in good areas, some of the balls he put in were were poor. I've got um, a theory on that. If you're ready for me to go, no, we'll we'll get there. We'll get there, Toby. Um, you know, so I thought that we were wasteful in a sense as well. Uh, I thought, in particular, and we'll, we'll, I guess we'll go into players, but I thought there was a few opportunities where El Neni could have, like there were runs that Pepe had made, and even Odegaard, who who we'll go into, I think was poor in this game, um, where El Neni just left balls short, really, really, really poor technician on the ball. His way to pass was really poor. And the thing I kind of come out of with that, Toby, is that, yes, yeah, City might have coasted, but there was a period of time in that game where City weren't coasting, where we were shutting them down. Um, you and I mm. spoke about this, Toby. I think And holding right, a lot of possession at a, at a point as more well. More possession than them in the second half, which would lead a lot of people to believe that they were, in fact, coasting. But I can't see City, when they're driving for a prem, I can't see them sitting there against an Arsenal team being like, your shit habit, which is what people kind of are saying that they were doing. If they did that, Pep would fucking ass fuck them. Would, definitely, he was like, definitely. He was fucking losing it because that Russian, is it Russian? They got a Russian? What, Some, the guy who's their, their, their left back? Yeah, Pep was fucking yeah. losing it at him like two or three times for a bad ball. So I, I can't see them being like, oh, let's let's sit off and and, and do nothing. Um, no, and, and I thought some of their covering as well was pretty last ditch. So that wouldn't say to me that you've got a team that's coasting. I think they're pretty, you know, they have a big squad and they've got to fight hard to get Zinchenko their, um, was our man, Toby, I was looking for. Uh, on City players, Toby, as well, you and I had this chat because John Stones was possibly available for Arsenal in the last transfer window. It was being spoken about leading into that transfer window before he returned to form. And a lot of our fellow ass brothers were like, nah, fuck him. He's done. He's shit. You and I were, at the time, both like, well, that's a modern centre-back. They're going to make mistakes, more passing, more ability. Um, to be honest, Toby, if I was doing a man of the match for both teams, my man of the match for both teams was John Stones. I thought he was a fucking animal. Yeah, I thought he was a fair beast and the way he um, manhandled Aubameyang a couple of times and wasn't left... Um, wanting for much pace. I mean, I know I know Aubameyang was trying to arc all the way around him, but um but uh I, I thought he was he was very good and did you see him progressing this isn't a tickle city's balls podcast by the way, but did you see him you know progressing the ball and some of his forward play, you know, to match some of his quite good defensive work. I thought I I was pretty impressed. Um if we'd got him, though, in answer to your question, we would have made him shit, and he'd be playing first mm. division right now. I was more, I was more alluding to the fact, Toby, that you know, that players with that much talent might go through dips in form, but you put them in the correct systems under the correct coaching. Anyway, you made an interesting comment there, Toby. You said, "I don't want to tickle City's balls." Well, I kind of do want to tickle City's balls just for five minutes because I think that. If anything, that game showed that you cannot have that many players in a team being Arsenal. And I'm going to make it a statement here, and I want you to kind of cover off this statement. We have a fucking lot of players in our team who are neither good nor bad. Mm. Yeah, well, maybe you could argue the old 7 out of 10 theory or the, you know, the rating out of 100, sort of your mid-70s type of thing. Um yeah, I would probably, straight off the top of my head, I'll say El Nenny is tidy, but just not good enough as an elite player to make a difference, um, particularly in the final third. You know, he can cycle possession, not fuck up, um, pass the ball backwards and sideways fairly nicely, um, but certainly missed a few opportunities. Um, and I'd probably, and, and this is building on last week's discussion, and it pains me to say as well, because I'm certainly not a hater, but the fact that so much of the play seems to be breaking down with Bellerin on the right to the point where Pepe never got into the game because he wasn't receiving any ball, mm. you know. So I, there are a few players in there. You know, you could argue some of our defenders. I, I thought Rob Holding well, let's, was both, let's, let's go, both let's brilliant go, let's and go through them average. Let's Let's go through those rocks and diamonds players because you and I pulled up, I think, three in particular real rocks and diamonds. I'll even go as far as four in particular real rocks and diamonds players today. Um, 
So Granite Xhaka, let's start with him. So I actually had Granite Xhaka in my positive points, in my best three players on the pitch, and you did as well. Now, that's not a marker of anything other than I thought everyone was pretty average, and I thought that Xhaka, and we both thought that Xhaka affected the play in the final third quite well. But in saying that, Toby, Granite Xhaka running back towards his own goal today, very divey, very late, very cardy, and very slow. And again, I, I, you know, this leads me into my point, Toby. Granite Xhaka. Is Granite Xhaka a bad player? No. Is Granite Xhaka an elite player? No. Hmm. I still thought he was one of the better players on the day. I think City would have the ability to make a lot of midfielders and in particular, like slightly cumbersome, bigger bodied midfielders look pretty slow and stupid. Um, I like how he's affecting the game, moving the ball forward at the moment. Our left-hand side was highly productive. Our right-hand side was highly ineffective and unproductive. Um, but, I mean, we we know he's not elite. We absolutely know that. We don't even really need to revisit old ground. But I thought he opened up the play very nicely. There was a delicious outside of the boot left-footed ball to Tierney who had a a shot. The only thing Xhaka could do in that situation was curl it with the outside of his boot banana style and absolutely opened up the middle of the pitch. Um, you know, so we know his faults, his one-footedness, sometimes a tendency to slow the, the play down. But what we saw is his midfield partner is very influential in the way he plays. I don't think Xhaka played badly. Well, but no I doubt, thought... Toby. Xhaka plus party equals the top end of Xhaka, as in the highest. If we look at Xhaka as a spectrum, Xhaka plus party equals the highest likelihood of getting a good result out of Xhaka. Xhaka less party kind of equals the Xhaka that we already knew existed, which is a guy who's quite good at progressing the ball, Um has a great left boot into the channel, especially when he has very willing runners in front of him, like Saka and like Tierney, as opposed to having an Aubameyang off the left in front of him, who is maybe less willing to run into those channels the way that Xhaka wants to see people. Uh, Toby, let's look at his midfield partner today, El Nene, or as Brother Ryan would call him, El Nene. El Nene. Um, Toby, I really, really struggled because I had El Nene in my negative points today i know you didn't have him in your negative points but you said that he very easily could have got into your negative points toby the statement i said to you was that el Nenny is very good at not looking that bad while being not very good correct correct and i can't come back to how underwhelmed we were um back when arsene wenger signed him when we needed you know proper defensive midfielders to come in and we got a five million pound player from I don't know the fucking Belgian league or something you know and um we were underwhelmed then and and I feel like we're underwhelmed now and it's not that I don't like the player he's very very tidy he's fairly press resistant which is probably why he was selected today with how um insane City's press is but his inability to operate in that elite moment that can affect the play moving forward and to turn back and start the play again when we were in a position of ascendancy to me that's highly frustrating and it just it just doesn't come off and um it almost worked today because we were defensively stronger but i would have loved to see sabios come on earlier because we are already down it doesn't matter if well, we let's, lose let's let's leave that let's leave that until the end Toby, because we're going to have a chat about arteta and oh, substitutions sure. and timing sure. and things like that look the thing that i found with el neni today and you know we spoke very briefly after the game was that i thought el neni was quite heavily responsible for stifling city's attack and equal parts, I thought he was really heavily responsible for stifling Arsenal's right-handed side attack. Every time there was an opportunity for him to play a progressive ball to Pepe, who people said Pepe had a shit game. Pepe had nothing. He got fucking nothing today. Yeah. No service, yeah. no balls played in front of him. 
it, it like just fuck all. So it's yeah. and I've been I've been known like I've, I I've agree. gone, out, I've I gone agree. after Pepe. I've supported Pepe. I've spoken about him through the middle. I've spoken about him being a mercurial talent. He got given absolutely nothing. That right side didn't work, and a lot of that had to do with El Nenny. Mm. But he was equally responsible for some of his positioning, block plays, the way he pulled into a back three today, his ability to get out of trouble and recycle possession was all very good. And I said to you, I'm like, I, I was in this moment with Elneny where I was like, do I give him a plus one or do I give him a negative one? You know, I, I wound up, I think, giving him a, a, a negative one. He came in my in my negative threes. But it's another example, Toby, of how many players can you have who are good and bad, or neither good nor bad within a team, and, and just produce these or good at certain teams. things and very average at, at others. And that goes back to what I was saying earlier, Toby, about me wanting to actually tickle City's balls a bit. You know, guys like Riyad Mahrez. Riyad Mahrez came into that City team as a Pepe. You know, a guy who didn't track that much and was a flair player. You know, Raheem Sterling, the Sterling that left Liverpool is not the fucking Sterling now that makes the unselfish runs, you know, fights for an old Did you bone. see some of his defensive covering as well? Yeah, like that's just, what, what I'm talking and, and, about. And my mind flicked to, I wonder, you know, when the Euros come along, that type of tenacity, whether you'll see that for England or not, or whether there's this honed culture within the city because i forget who it was but he was he was muscling and fighting for a bone and um i forget what it was he, he like shuttled the ball dead and you know they they ended up with the with the goal kick or whatever and i just thought that's that commitment all over the pitch the total commitment from all of the players and and you know that's that's where you got to give credit to Pep for. <coughs> can i can Absolutely. i come back to a point um about slightly backwards to El Nene about the El Nene fucking Ryan El Nene about the right-handed side and its ineffectiveness. Um, there's one player in there that we haven't mentioned that should have figured more with the distribution to the right-handed side and would have given El, El Nene a little bit more, um, let's say, you know, he'd be hidden from criticism a little bit more. And that's Erdegaard, who I didn't think linked the play up particularly well, particularly on that right hand side. So mm, I wanted that's... I wanted to get to Erdegaard slightly later, but we we I guess we can I guess we can go into there now, Toby. I'm just I drawing wrote... the link with El Nenny in the right hand side. That's yeah, okay. Why... Well let's 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 bench Erdegaard because I want to come back to him later because I think that's a, a bigger point in itself. And I, I just want to finish off these players who had kind of 50-50 games for me at the moment. But I agree, Toby, there was a chain reaction throughout a lot of the players, and I struggled to work out which player being poor triggered that chain. Mm. But there were lots down that right-hand side that that didn't operate. So the next player I want to talk about, Toby, was Rob Holding today. Um, stuck under the ball for the first goal. It can happen. It's the first 75 seconds. I didn't think Hector did a great deal to track the runner, Sterling gets tight to Holding, pushes away from him, Holding loses him. Hector's kind of in no man's land, not marking the man behind him and not marking the man in front of him. I felt Holding got sucked in over towards so, the near so post did I. too and, far, though. And I, felt that, and I felt that he... It was a very Mustafi performance from Rob Holding today. Very Mustafi. He stepped out to the midfield well. I actually thought he used the ball quite well. He's, he sold Jack a short on, on one pass. But a rocks and diamonds performance from Rob Holding. Toby got sucked to the ball a lot. A lot of heroic slide tackles. And you and I have said in the past, you know, those slide tackles often don't mean that you're a superstar. They mean that you're out of position. Mm. Mm. Yeah, and I uh, look, I... You contrast that to Pablo Marie with this game, who was quietly efficient in everything that he did um, and didn't really get caught out apart from um, the the curled finish from there right back at, um, towards the end. Um, but, you know, in saying that, more of their play happened down Rob Holding's side. Now, I think you've got to give him a little bit of a break with the quality of the opposition because the stress from the opposition, from the press and how quickly they move the ball is the thing that's pulling him out of position. 
But I also agree with you that he had a very rocks and diamonds day where some of his distribution was good. Some of it was awful with his passing, um, some of his positional play and his reads. Um, and as you're alluding to, the the last-ditch slidey, slidey, slidey tackles, um, which he was pretty lucky on a couple of occasions. There was one that he could have had a handball that he missed altogether that went out for a goal kick. You know, if, if, that, mm. if that was Mustafi, he would have taken everyone down and handballed it and we would have conceded it. And so, in saying that, Toby, some really wonderful positional plays, some good passing. He moved into the midfield. He pinged across. You know, he... he it's strange. I thought he had come out of the team because um, he needed a rest. But that's why I thought he. Do you remember he had that? Re- he had a relatively poor game. Was it against Leeds? Mm. He had a yeah. relatively, relatively yep. poor game. And then he came out of the team, and we were like, "Oh, he must be getting I'd, rested." Actually, I, I don't think he played against Leeds. Sorry, was it the game any, yeah. before Leeds? Villa. Yeah. He had a, a yeah. relatively poor game against yeah. Villa. Uh, yep. Which, again, you would expect up against Jack Grealish. I, I think when you put Rob Holding up against really, really tricky, pacey players, that, that's not his bag. We know he's a bit more of an old-fashioned centre-back, and I've sort of waxed lyrical about him. But I just felt with Rob Holding today that as poor as he was, he was another player, the same as El Nenny, who I thought was I thought El Nenny was great coming back and poor going forward. I thought Jack was great going forward and poor coming back. I thought Rob Holding was great when the stress level was really high and actually quite poor when he just needed to be positioned and hold his line. He got sucked to the ball a lot. And it brings me to our our, our fourth player, I guess, Toby, in, in focus. And guys, unfortunately, it is going to be a little bit more of a negative podcast because there are, there were more poor performances today or average performances, rocks and diamonds performances than there were good ones, Toby. But I guess the big player in focus to us and the guy who's been getting a real bashing lately. And I've even been trying not to bash him. I think we all have our biases and we feel bad at some point. And then we feel that there is a a rhetoric or an agenda Mm. and you try and go away from that agenda and look at them for their good points. Yep. But Toby, I said to you today, Hector Bayerin is a bang average right midfielder and a bang average right back. Like he's not a gr- he's not a good right back. I would even say he is a decent right back and a decent right midfielder, but he is not good at either of those two things. In the final third, his positioning is poor. He's easily stood up. There's a moment where he goes sliding through on his ass, essentially trying to come across and cover at centre back. Uh, awful again, a Mustafi moment for him, and his. Selection of when to cross, when not to cross, when to shoot, and his touch, his application in the final third, Toby, is shit. Surely, in the new year, in the new season, <clears throat> it goes on to what we were saying last week about uh, Bakaway Sanya being the best, uh, in, in my opinion, in my generation. You know, I think he was the best right back in the Premier League up until he left us. The idea of us going back to that, and back to a better defender, a more powerful player, and not this this hybrid that is Bayerin, where he is neither one nor the other and not good at doing either. It's not like he's a... Remember, like, early iteration of, like, Carl Walker, early iteration Carl Walker. It's not like he's him and, like, fucking amazing going forward and shit going back. He's a an average player in both sectors without being particularly bad at mm. football yeah well i'll pull you up a little bit on the sanya comment i don't think sanya would suit this team and the way we play and the impetus that's put on the fullbacks to be such an attacking outlet so i'll just i'll just put that out there i completely agree with you about with the defensive now i just think the game has changed in that time where i I'm in complete agreement with you is that we've got a guy that's kind of all right at everything, but not that good at anything apart from being fast. So we've got a guy who sits in the midfield quite nicely in cycles possession, but really gets put under pressure playing out from the back and linking up with that right sided forward. Um, you know, there's a lot of balls that get closed off back into midfielder because of the position that he gets 
himself in. So a lot of our um, a lot of our playing out from the back, our exit strategy breaks down with him, and then a lot of our fi- final four, third play either slows down, breaks down, or doesn't beat the first man with, with him. So what we're, what we're becoming is a more and more left-sided biased team because we're carrying that player. I really thought he missed Saka in front of him because I think Saka's more able to create something from nothing, whereas Pepe got... I felt that he got isolated by both Bellerin and, and Erdegaard and, and El Nenny as El well. And El yeah. So, I, so I'm going to agree with you on this. I ain't no bloody Bellerin basher. I've loved the kid for, for a long time and I've really hoped that he would make it. But sometimes there becomes a natural progression where it's good for everyone if someone has a new challenge. And I'd like someone with a little bit more power and end product um, because like we're saying, you know, he's he's not secure defensively enough and he's sure as shit isn't. And I know he scored the other day, but we're talking about a lot of time on the ball in that in that area not affecting the game enough in the final third. There is no, um, there is no, the game doesn't seem to open up in front of him like it did when he was affecting the game pre-ACL, where he would cut back inside and shoot on his left. That was really, that was really his one or move. Even in the Emory um, time when he was getting to the byline, he doesn't get to the byline anymore. He doesn't overlap. He gets to the wing, he mm. gets past the halfway line, he comes back inside He's like an inside channel wing back. And when he does get to the outside, I mean, Manny put up a thing saying he's an awkward runner. He's not that fast either. I don't think that it's he's not that fast anymore. I don't think he's got the acceleration off the mark that he used to have anymore. It's do more when, power. Do you, remember yeah. when, do you remember when Torres did his ACL? Yep. Right? And He, the lost, whole, he lost the half a yard. Yep. Yeah, because yep. Torres was the fastest in the league over five yards. Like, his yep. holding off on a shoulder and going, he would just be yep. in space and be like, he's offside, yep. and then he's the man, onside. The man you go where they spanked him five nil away. Yep. There was a really great uh, – people know I love Theo Walcott, but there was a really great Twitter thing. There was, like, an interview with Theo Walcott, and they were asking him what the biggest thing coming back from his ACL was, and he said he was actually still running the 40 in the same speed or close to the same speed, but his zero to 20 speed had dropped. He couldn't get, he couldn't get off the mark because the fear with the the ACL is so great. And I feel like with Bayerin, there's got to be something about his ability to pop. Like I think once he gets up to speed, he's still fast, but anyway, Toby, let's move forward. Right. So I, I think we can both agree that there's a lot of players in that team. We've spoken about a lot of players in that team. Just actually quickly before we move forward, this isn't mine. I, I kind of half thought it, but someone online uh, actually put it out there. And he said, Thomas Party made Saka a better right winger, made Bayerin a better right back, and made Xhaka a better central mid partner. And I think, that, I think that's, that's a, a really interesting concept that that El Nenny piece in there or what has been replaced by that Sabios piece in there, I think when Bellerin looked like he was coming back to some form, Party was there. I think definitely when Saka has played really, really well and ESR have played really well, like really dynamic, party has been there. It's allowed Xhaka to play the left corridor space and concentrate on the left corridor space. Yep. yep. And with Elneny, because he doesn't have that release ball, you know, it, it just made that right-hand side so, so impotent. But it brings me to the guy I want to talk about next. You touched on him before. And it's interesting because he's looked good in that position with Sabios behind him. He looked particularly poor in this position today with El Nenny behind him. And my actual note that I wrote down about Odegaard, Toby, was uh, during the game, I said, that's a guy who's trying to play a, a La Liga pace in a Premier League game. Yeah, I mean, he was maybe lacking half a yard of thought rather than like explosive pace. Uh, I haven't think thought physically he's been that far underdone. I just think he needs to operate that split second That's what quicker. I mean, though. La Liga, um, I think you have more time to pick the pass. And I think in this game, he just got caught mm. out very slightly and not doing what ESR has done so well for us, which is go, go. Well, I, I think I know that ESR needed a rest. Injury record... Um, 
Europa League, whatever you want to call it. The fact that he, ESR, had been pushed out to the left to accommodate Erdogan. I didn't have a huge problem with it because it was kind of providing Erdegaard with an opportunity to um, get himself settled in to the game. Now, he, he had a funny game because I thought he looked both really good and t- technically secure, but like the game kind of got away from him and he just shrunk a little bit as the game went on. Um, mm. You know, once again, we have to caveat that with the quality of the opposition and the quality of the press and the way um, the way that they... Um, the way that they protect their their backline as well, I thought was particularly admirable. Um, but things just didn't come off for him, and he also he also gave the ball away a number of times. So I think you know you've got a young player, maybe their confidence drops a little bit. They're feeding their way in, um, but that's exactly what ESR was doing before he got repositioned, um, and it would have been really good to see. ESR a little bit earlier because I thought we really, you know, I've said it already, we lacked down that right-hand side. I thought Abamyang didn't really get fed through, um, mm. you know. I mean, Abamyang was incredibly poor with his back to goal and those lazy, well, the it was lazy dis- layoffs. It was disconnected again, Toby. It was disconnected between Abamyang and the midfield again. And I actually said this uh, against Leeds when we played ESR, Erdegaard and Saka. I actually said that Erdegaard was coming deeper to actually exchange with the midfielders, almost coming back to make that midfield three to split the midfield two. And then we were getting this cool overlap where ESR was coming back inside and the width was being created by Cedric. And it was kind of giving us like a, like a four, one four, like kind of a, a a weird fucking fluid thing. I guess I, I try not to get caught up in formations, Christmas trees, you know, um, what's that movie with the fucking guy, the manager movie where he writes his pa- his team name on, on the back a, of the, on back a of the cigarettes? I, I, I forget the name, but four, four, fucking two. We're playing four, four, <laughs> fucking two. We're playing the Christmas tree. Um, anyway, I thought Erdegaard got caught deep a lot. I thought he didn't get close enough to Aubameyang. I thought he got deep a lot because El Nenny couldn't progress the ball to him. I thought he got isolated because Xhaka is so left-side bias. Um, And he just fell out of the game for me. And for me, Toby, he was almost the worst player on the pitch or was the worst player on the pitch. can't remember whether I gave him a negative three or a negative two. Who, Oba or? No, no, Odegaard. Odegaard. I gave him either a negative two or a negative three. I gave him him a, yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, I gave him a negative three. I don't. You know, and this is certainly that I don't think he's going to be an excellent player. I just think he was probably the weak link of the day. Yeah, but the thing I'm saying is I can't work out whether he was actually a really weak link or whether he was. I'm just looking at my three, two, ones. I couldn't work out whether he was actually a really weak link. I think he was a weak link, but I'm saying I kind of felt this whole thing was a chain reaction from back to front. And it reminded me a little bit of kind of how we'd been in the past because really, Toby, for me, people talk about Saka being the catalyst to changing this team's fortune and Saka moving to the right year was a bit of a catalyst. The thing mm. that changed this team's fortune was Emile Smith-Rowe and how that affected the midfield and I think how party affected the right-hand side attack and that relationship with Saka and how that grew Bellerin. Mm how that grew Xhaka because Xhaka was further forward, not worrying about turning around and facing his own goal. It meant that we were progressing the ball more through the left, which is why I think Pepe looked better in those games as well, paid off the left, which is why I think Aubameyang looked better because all of a sudden the piece of the puzzle were moving around him. Well, it's speeding up the play. I think think it's very, very simple at the end of the day. ESR makes it look deceptively simple with his clever first touch. But he also doesn't overcomplicate stuff. He moves it very, very quickly. He doesn't overtouch the ball and Arsenal play more triangles. I think where we break down is our central midfielders in particular wanting to keep possession because they're getting pressed and then playing backwards and sideways. Mm. And then the impetus of our attack, you know, we 
saw it a number of times today where we finally navigated the press, which was usually on the left-hand side. We start progressing up the, the pitch. Now, if we get to that point where it slows down, which was usually on the right, City come back, they reposition in their banks, and then we're fucked. Then we, then we go back to rub holding and we start again. And by that time, the, the attacking play has already finished. There was only, there was only one attacking opportunity um, that I really, really loved. There was Aubameyang put on the afterburners from about the halfway line when Saka had been released by, I think, Tierney or, or Xhaka. I can't remember. And Aubameyang absolutely threw on the afterburners. Like, I haven't seen him run so fast and long. It's a reminder of how quick... Like a gazelle, Toby. Like a gazelle. Barely even touches the grass. (laughs) All right? But Saka just had his blinkers on a little bit and didn't see the run where he could have fed in, and he ended up passing it over to the right-hand side. And just for a change, it broke down with Bellerin and, um, and Pepe. 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 Uh, <laughs> so anyway, I, I feel that 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 side of our game was a bit poor, and we've we just need to speed up that quickness of thought. Um, and unfortunately for us, you can't play a nineteen-year-old or whatever he is every single game. I'm talking about ESR here, mm. but he's the one that speeds it up. That that is the piece of the puzzle that puzzle that makes it work. Yeah, look, there was something else I, I'm not going to claim that this was my analysis. This is another Tim Stillman analysis. Um, and it's just before we move on to the next part, Toby, but he was saying the reason why David Louise has been played with Gabrielle is since party hasn't been in the team. Louise provides the right-handed channel yep. pass early that party would usually play, which yep. again leads you into that, how you get the ball into midfield quickly why David Louise is being played there at the moment, possibly instead of Rob Holding, even though Rob Holding is the more switched on, better defender. And uh, in, yeah. interestingly, Toby, a lot of what I'm seeing is coming back to the fact that Party is out of the team. I see a lot of our change in personality being around Party, and it goes back to what you and I were talking about. You know, we often bring up, I think it's Pro Ev Five. It's the 2005 Pro Ev. It's like the greatest fucking Pro Evo ever. It was almost impossible to score. Like if you were getting two goals in a game, it was massive. But it used yeah. to have that. It used to have that thing where you could put a player in and it would up the qualities of other players. Had like yep. a little triangle. Thomas yep. Party is is that player. It is very worrying that his injury record, his soft tissue record, is this bad. And I was reading that he had very little soft tissue where he's come. So whether this is an adjustment period into the pace of the Premier League, I don't well, know. Or we've signed I, another old guy. Yeah, who's, who's like, like coming quite, on, the, on the... It's like quite tall and slender. Like he's got big, long legs. He's got like Diaby-ish legs, which is, a, which is a worry. And then you're entering a competition where you're playing every three days and you're juggling his, yeah. his fitness all the time. Yeah, look, basically, I'm just trying to say, like, I genuinely think that he makes maybe four or five players around him better. Even when he doesn't play that well himself. Because once once again, just like I've been saying about ESR, it's speeding up the game. So it's creating more stress for the opposition. It's bypassing their press. It's catching them out of position. It's releasing the ball early. You know, I think Pepe would have enjoyed having a player like that today to release rather than going through Bayern yeah. and, and Erdegaard. Toby, let's move on <coughs> to the next. Let's move on to uh, the next. Uh, again, guys, it's quite a negative podcast, but I don't think that we're being negative. I think that we're being analytical about the reasons why. I think it's why. just the way it's gone. Like, I wasn't unhappy with the performance. No, no, no. If you were to listen to this and not listen to the first couple of minutes where you and I said, oh, it was quite a good performance. We were quite happy with the way we defended. We kept it 1-0, all of that stuff. Like, I, I just, definitely... We could have done more moving, for, the, moving the ball forward. That's my criticism. Yeah. I think we but were Toby, more in what the wa- game than... Yeah, what, what I want to go into is I, I want to have a bit of a chat about Arteta. And specifically, I want to have a chat about his fucking substitutions at the moment and my not understanding what you're doing. Now, tell me if you disagree, right? Number one, I thought the subs were a little bit late. I thought Odegaard was cooked 
earlier and I understood that maybe Arteta had a thing in his head where he was like, I only want to give ESR 20 minutes if I absolutely have to. Pulling Pepe off the pitch for me again, I, I, I didn't fucking love. And bringing Lacazette on to push Aubameyang left, a Lacazette who has had 11 games this year where he's failed to either get a shot off or get a shot on target, right? You're chasing a game. Lacazette isn't coming on and being like a fucking goal threat, right? In fact, I would say Lacazette, almost I would have maybe liked Lacazette to play this game because I feel like he would have maybe done a bit more than what Aubameyang did. He's more likely to come into the middle, make an extra player. Maybe he releases Erdegaard. Maybe he releases Saka. Whereas you had Aubameyang really floating up the top. But to pull Pepe off, who had not been poor, he just hadn't had the service to stick. Which Obamiang, means he probably, which means he was probably less tired because he hadn't touched the fucking ball that much. I know, <laughs> but what, then to yeah, put yeah. Aubameyang out on the left, where we know what we're going to get out of Aubameyang, Aubameyang out on the left, and to put Lacazette through the middle and to give ESR the, those minutes, and then for me, the, the the crowning thing was I was yelling to get Sabios on Toby screaming at the TV to get Sabayos on. So I was like, just get someone on who wants to take a touch and maybe beat someone. Maybe Cruyff turns someone. Maybe be depressed. I'm not really interested, not that I'm not interested in your opinion, but I'm not. I'm saying I don't necessarily want to go into a big, deep conversation about the specifics of the players who came on. But just kind of what you think about the, the the idea or the concept that Arteta is not a fantastic in-game manager. I would have thought 1-0 down to City, Toby. You bring on Martinelli. Maybe you bring on Martinelli, ESR, you leave Pepe on. I even would like to have seen like Oba pulled off and Martinelli put up top. ESR thrown on onto the left, Ceballos thrown in there. I just feel like the subs were, other than the fact that William didn't play the subs were predictable and the subs were late. Yeah. Um, the thumbs up were William not coming on the pitch, by the way. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I, I agree with everything you were saying. Maybe apart from playing Martinelli up top, I think it's probably a, a too big a game to trial that. Um, but absolutely keeping Pepe on because he wasn't involved in the game. Whether you could say he was marked out, I'm not so sure. I think it's more our internal problems. Um, keeping Aubameyang up top, that's that's what you need when you, you need goals anyway. And I certainly would have put Martinelli on the left and ESR in the middle because I think straight away that, um, you know, that provides you pace. And I don't mean just running power. I mean like pace on the ball, quickness of thought, tenacity, all of that type mm. of thing. Um, or you just sub off over for Lacquer because I don't I really don't feel that putting him on the left with Lacquer running in bloody quicksand in the middle, you know, I, I just I just didn't see how that would um that was going to work. The the lateness of the subs I also have a problem with. So mm. we're not providing, you know, ESR got 15 minutes from memory to, to change a game. I don't think that's enough. Um, and I also thought I I was feeling like El Nenny was letting us down from an attacking point of view what, 60 minutes onwards where we, you know, it doesn't matter if we lose 3-0 or 4-1. It really doesn't matter. 1-0 makes no difference, especially when you kind of have a... Um, Against City, it's kind of like uh, a free hit. Like you're not expected to win anyway, particularly when they're in this level of form. So now some of these subs actually play these players out of form. So what's happened to Martinelli? Like he was like our fucking wet dream when he came back out of the mm. blue against Chelsea. was against Chelsea. And then, you know, and... Then he was he a naughty something. boy. He was a naughty boy and against didn't do Man what U. he was told and got yep. pulled. Yep. And he got a smack bum and he's been in the naughty corner ever since. And so I, think the- Arte- I think Arteta's a bit like that, Toby. I think Arteta's a, a bit of a disciplinarian, more so mm-hmm. than what we see. Yeah, I, yeah. I think yep. 
I think he's very, very training based. You do the right things in training. You do the right thing when you go out. You hit the areas that Hence I tell why you to Willian hit when I so many games yep. when I tell you to yep. hit them. And I just mm. get the feeling that he's either saying to Martinelli, like you might be the the hot shit, but if you don't hit the areas that I want you to hit, you're not going to play. Go show it to me in training. And that's what well, I hope. I hope it. I hope it's not some kind of Vengarian. I've got 11 players or I've got 12 players and that's who I'm going to play and you're not in my plans because that would be devastating. But I don't believe that's the case. No, look, it's a hypothetical response, but I believe entirely with what you're saying. All right. I think he did the same thing to Mainsley. Mainsley couldn't step up to the plate when he was challenged. It happened a couple of times. He did the same thing to Ozil. I can't believe I'm even talking about that prick. So I think he's got, priors with that and what what he's done potentially reese nelson who's who may be dead we don't know um you know so there's there's he could he could legitimately have his face on a milk carton somewhere like missing yes reese yes nelson. Is this, have you seen this man last seen at um, london colony <laughs> yeah yeah um so I, I think you're right. I think I think Arteta is a disciplinarian. We've we've seen that with your Terreras, your Genduzis. They're already gone. We've actually already forgotten about them. We don't think they're coming back. So there's a certain um, level of culture. And whether we make those comparisons again with Pep, and I realise they're lazy and easy comparisons to make, but you know, let's make them all the same. Um, so I don't have a huge problem with it. If you hold someone back to the point where they're like full blue balls, you've, you've cock teased them for that amount of time, you finally let them go and they just explode. So I'm talking figuratively both in terms of spoof and in terms of exploding <laughs> on the pitch. <laughs> spoof is a funny fucking word. It's a very mm. teenage word, Toby. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, well, we, we we bring it out of each other. We have a laugh with this shit. So, but my point being, the blue balls analogy is the Martinelli analogy. He was a naughty boy, so he didn't he didn't get any action mm. for a period of time. And I really hope when he gets let out, he'll explode. Yeah, look, I, look, Toby, look back On the to pitch. Pep. Look back to Pep with Aguero. Pep dropped Aguero. People thought Aguero was gone. I, I think yeah. Real were looking at him, and he was like, yeah. no, you will not just stand there and wait for the ball to come to you. There is an expectation of A, B, and C. There's no doubt that Arteta has has bought that with him. There's no doubt that Arteta obviously lords and prioritizes hard work, technical awareness, um, structural culpability, like all of those things are something that he obviously really believes in. And then when you bought someone like ESR in, the funny thing is, is everyone said, oh, well, ESR is such a free-flowing player. He's that that jazz piece. I completely disagree. I think ESR goes exactly where ESR needs to go when he needs to go there because these kids have come through London Colney. They were in there and all of the pieces of the puzzle in there when these kids were coming through at 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12. That was Wenger building 10s and building pass and move players. You know, I'm sure like if Manny's in the room, he'll be like, oh, Wenger's shit, fuck Wenger. You know, there's lots of people on Twitter who are like, oh, Wenger's shit, he stayed too long, fuck him, all this shit. I still think that at our core right now, the thing that we've been missing is a little bit of the pass and move and jazz. And I said to you after watching the City game, Toby, the way they one-touch moved the ball, baited defenders, little pullbacks, knew when to speed up and slow down the game. The way City did that today reminded me a lot of Wenger's best tick attacker teams. And you said to me it reminded you of the Wenger teams and it reminded uh, you of Pep's, said, Barce yeah, Pep's Barcelona Pep's team. Barce. Yep. as well. But yep. I mean, don't forget that when Pep's Barcelona tick attacker team was going, that was when Arsenal's Rosicki, Fabregas, Hleb, um, we were Eduardo, trying to we were trying to copy them. Yeah, yeah, and that was when we were like pass the ball into the into the back of the net. Um, mm. I, I just think there's something to be said about about that and about the structural pieces, and it's why I still have some doubts around Arteta. I'm most certainly not Arteta out. I'm most certainly not even anything against Arteta. 
I just worry and I look at that team sometimes. I look at a lot of players who are very structurally set in very specific positions, doing very specific things. And when it doesn't work, it can it can come off as repetitive and boring. I don't think I've nearly fallen asleep in as many second halves of an Arsenal football season as I have done this season. I think it's the overstructuralization of football in general rather than Arteta himself. So I'm certainly not as far gone as you or, or wouldn't go as far as to make those con, um, comments of, of not being sure of Arteta, where I am thoughtful of his um, actions are the conservative nature of subs and not going after a football game. Steve just commented, no hot wings this week, boys. So I completely missed you. Anyone didn't watch last week, we went out. It was like five in the morning in the UK and Steve was at one point our only listener and that's because he had been up all night shitting his pants from too many hot wings. Steve, we send our best wishes to both you and your toilet. Um, Toby, the pebble dash, the pebble the pe- dash toilet. <laughs> Toby, I think at the end of the day, the thing that I have pulled out of this game is that our squad isn't bad. Our squad isn't very good. We have a lot of players who I think if you were giving them FIFA ratings are uh, kind of like low to mid 70s. I feel like we've got a lot of like 72 to 78s in our team. Right now, I, I, I think Bellerin would fall into that category. I think Xhaka would fall into that category. I think Elneny definitely falls into that category. And I think, unfortunately, you can get away with having one of those players in your team who's a, a real hardworking piece of the puzzle that does a specific job. I'm thinking Gigi Van Aldem, I wouldn't rate higher than a 78, but you know, for Liverpool, he did a very specific job. Um, you know, Fernandinho for City, you know, I wouldn't have him massively high, but he did a very specific job. But I just feel like right now we have too many of those players. And in this specific game, we came unstuck because we had too many of those players trying to operate within one area of the pitch. Yeah, look, potentially. I mean, once again, let's let's consider the quality of the opposition and where we've come from. Um, but, you know, maybe lacking potentially because we went for a more defensively sound and technically secure team, we lacked a little bit of the dynamic athletes, particularly to spread the ball out. You know, I mean, I realise we played Pepe and Saka, so you can't have much more dynamic wing forwards than that. But I mean, we were carrying less players on the pitch that had that explosive attacking element to them. We had more connecting players today. Um, And maybe that worked in our favour because we didn't get belted by a cricket score, you know. But we also lacked a little bit um, of an attacking outlet. I'm going to go out on a limb and I'm going to say, you know, if, if party plays that game, we get the draw. I think that's probably the main difference. You're on mute, champion. If we played in the same manner that we played, but I don't think we would have played in that manner with Party. I think we would have been more expansive. Um, Toby, done an hour. Wrap it up. I think it's been a really good podcast. I, I think if you don't listen to the start of this podcast, you'd think that we were quite negative. I don't believe that we have been quite negative. I just think that we've looked at some specific things, some specific pieces of the puzzle and 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 kind of come to a general agreement that we are we probably don't have the same level as Apex players as Man City do. Uh to all the guys in the chat, Mike Hertz, Humbo Gumble, Russell Brill, don't waste the tweet. Uh Ruthless is in there. Ryan is in there. Uh Big Steve is in there. Uh Ray from the Arsenal Circle channel is in there. Uh, lots of people joining us in the chat today. Toby, um, I'll catch you next week after the next game. And to all you degenerates, we'll see you soon. Now I've got to try and fucking work out how to put on this end video. So stand by because I'm shit at stuff. Where is it? In there. End video. All right, guys. Good night.
This is an Ask Brothers production. Follow us on Twitter at The Ask Brothers. Get all our content on YouTube, Facebook, Spotify, and SoundCloud at Ask Bros. And if you like what you hear, don't forget to smash that subscribe button.